Listening Dog Media. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With LuckyLandSlots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan, and a Liverpool fan. A very Merry Christmas to Offside Rule podcast listeners. Hello, it's Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper. Hello. And Hayley McQueen. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Now, we've found a little festive hangout. We're exchanging presents. We've even got some uh, special festive decking of our own, so we're going to be taking a picture later on so we can show you what we've been wearing. And it's time for us to... Oh, we're also eating, as Lindsay's pointed out, so good luck to us on this podcast. If you can hear chewing, we're on some homemade festive biscuits. Homemade cookies, I could claim, because no-one would know that I'd made them, but they're not. They're my friends. You didn't make them, did you? No, no, I don't do that sort of thing. (laughs) We're far too busy in football, of course, aren't we? Um, So, yeah, so... So you join us for this little pre-Christmas celebration here on the Offside Rule podcast. Don't forget, for all things Christmassy and football, of course, you can check out at Offside Rule Pod. Head over to our Facebook page, The Offside Rule. And don't forget our website, offsiderulepodcast.com, where we're having our very own special festive countdown. For the first time ever, we have compiled at the Offside Rule Pod website the first ever top 100 female players. That's been done by 30 esteemed judges. There are some surprise decisions there, so go and have a look, actually. A couple of England internationals ahead, and I wouldn't have thought that they'd be ahead of the other one. Anyway, I'm not going to reveal too many, apart from that Frank Herb is at 100, and Casey Stone is way into the 60s. Bit controversial, some of it, but have a little look at offsiderulepodcast.com as we count down, and I think day before or Christmas Eve is the moment that we reveal the number one. So it's very exciting. I've been enjoying it, following it. And my retweet button has been going crazy <laughs> on my Twitter account. I've noticed because I get a notification on my phone anytime oh, anyone gosh. retweets the account, and I've, I have seen Lindsay's name pop up. Yes, I'm very much looking forward to our very own Christmas number one, so come and find us for that. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. So uh, this podcast number 10 will be our pre-Christmas podcast and then we're back in the new year in a few weeks' time. But we've got lots of Christmassy New Year things to digest, so hopefully this will see you through the Christmas period, folks. When you get to the point when you're on the sofa, you've eaten too much, you've drank a bit too much, you're getting a bit sleepy, the TV's not satisfying you anymore, plug in 
and have a listen. Topics on today's podcast. Well, we are going to be looking at Santa's little helpers, the unsung heroes of football. Who chips in and maybe doesn't get the recognition that they deserve? Who do we need to be giving a shout out to? We're also going to be talking New Year's resolutions as well. We do like to do this. What New Year's resolutions are we going to set and why for particular people in football? But we're going to get things cracking on this Christmas special of the Offside Rule by talking Christmas and New Year predictions over the various leagues. I've handed you all a league each. So, uh, Hayley, I've given you the Premier League. Lindsay, I've given you a championship. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you, you often report on this for final score and on, on Five Live as well. So that's your expert area. And I've jumped into Europe. There's a good reason why, by the way. I'll reveal all in a little while. The Offside Rule is sponsored by BetOnBrazil.com. It's the betting site for all sports punters with great odds, markets and offers. Listeners to this podcast can now get up to £60 deposit match when you use the promo code OFFSIDE. Just visit BetOnBrazil.com and enter promo code OFFSIDE when you deposit and we will match your deposit up to £60. Also look out for our daily happy hour offers between 5pm and 6pm. Sign up now at BetOnBrazil.com. BetOnBrazil.com is for over 18s only. Betting should be fun, so please gamble responsibly. All right, so who is going to be where come the next time we meet? So we're talking second week of January. Who's going to be where? Hayley, I'm going to start with you and the Premier League. So you might think I have the easy task of looking at the Premier League, but actually, it's been that little bit unpredictable, hasn't it? And um, even Arsenal, at the moment, who I had predicted after a, a fairly strong start to the season, are starting to falter a little bit. And Arsene Wenger has praised the character and mental strength of his side. And despite going ahead, falling behind and losing royally important points just when they need it at this time of year. He needs some cognitive behavioural therapy oh. thing on this because he's fluffing his lines at the same time every year. It's kind of annoying and you think you, that he has the chance in place, right? But, you know, just like an Italian supercar, Chelsea are zooming <laughs> on past. Absolutely. Well, he has got a pretty decent run of good fixtures over the Christmas period and I do see that Arsenal will be up there or thereabouts. I don't think there's anyone taking Chelsea off top spot. After the round of games uh, at the weekend, covering that, when you suddenly see that they're nine points clear and when you look at the gap between them and Manchester City, you just wonder how they're ever going to catch up. I know that happened to Manchester United once and they didn't win the title, but traditionally, and every time that Chelsea have been top at Christmas, they have always gone on to win the league. But for Arsenal, yes, they've suffered back-to-back defeats, but they were two tricky away games at Goodison at Manchester City, but the manner of the defeat is not going to win them the title. However, they're away to Bournemouth. They have a cup game against Preston. They're away to Swansea. Back-to-back home games against Burnley and Watford. And I think by the 4th of February, when they take on Chelsea, that could be a key, key game. I still see Chelsea being top. For me, I think it's Arsenal who will finish in the top four. I did have them down as being an underdog title contender. By underdog, what I mean is at the beginning of the season with Guardiola at City, Mourinho at United and Conte at Chelsea, I don't think we had Arsenal up there, did we, as somebody to win the title, although they would have been there or thereabouts. Manchester United, they're absolutely on the rise. Now, they're banana skin teams, teams in the northeast in Sunderland and particularly Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough do great against Manchester United and Manchester City as well, which they proved again this season. But United are on the up, scoring goals. Ibrahimovic in the best form of his life or since 2012 when he was just hitting his early 30s. But for a guy in his mid-30s to just be absolutely loving life. And Mourinho 
looking like he's loving life a little bit more at Manchester United. I think they will get up into the top four. They're just outside at the moment. Don't hold out much hope for Tottenham, but United's fixtures, which are back-to-back -back home games, as I mentioned, against the two northeast sides, with a tricky away trip to West Ham, but again, they're not doing very well at home. Yes, they might have registered back-to-back -back victories for the first time in the London Stadium, but their performances, particularly that one against Hull, was well below what is expected of a side that um, promised so much for Slaven Bilic at the beginning of the season. Big game for United, though, mid-January when they take on Liverpool. So that could potentially be key there. So that's how things, I think, are looking at the top at the moment. I think it will shift a little. So where are we shifting to? So when we meet next time, yep. second week of January, you've got Chelsea up top. So I'm going to be bold and I'm going to plump that Manchester United will be in the top four. They'll overtake Tottenham. I think Arsenal will be up there, thereabouts. Liverpool, I think, could potentially be dropping down. I think the battle is between Liverpool and Arsenal. I'll have Chelsea still top. I'll have Manchester City second. I'm going to put my neck on the line. I'm going to have Liverpool up there in third with Manchester United leapfrogging both London clubs to take that fourth spot. Fantastic. So what I didn't say beforehand was that I've got a little prize, a New Year's prize, perhaps a detox kit for the person who gets it most bang on. If you get the top three right, by the way, so I'm going to take Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool from you. I know you want to put United behind them, but we'll stick with the top three. If you get the actual position right, that's three points. If you just get that they're in the top three, then that's a point. So we'll see where we are when we meet again in January. Quick note on one team that's bound to stay at or near the bottom, Hayley. Well, for me, I think it's... Um I think Swansea. I think Swansea are going to be rock bottom into the new year and I think they're going to be without a manager as well. I think they're going to have to uh, start to have a look around for who wants to come in and, and help a side that should have been achieving so much. I think it's just all gone wrong for Bob Bradley and we, we didn't want to criticise him too much and say this American doesn't know what he's doing when he's coming and looking after a Premier League team but I think he's demonstrated he really doesn't know what he's doing. OK, Lindsay, let's head over to you in the Championship. Having the Championship, I have to say, if I don't get this New Year's prize, I really would be shooting myself in the foot here because Hayley's right. She's got quite a difficult prediction when the Premier League's so tight at the top. It is very tight in the Championship between Brighton and Newcastle for first and second, so I could get that wrong. But when you come down to the bottom, Rotherham on their own, lowly, I mean, if, if I don't get that right, that prediction, then uh, there's something wrong. So let's look towards the top of the Championship, first of all, because it has been to and fro between Newcastle and Brighton. Every time we see a Friday night match, and we've seen Chris Hewton's team play a couple of times on Fridays recently, they've gone in front, then Newcastle have played, and then they've gone that one point clear again. I think come New Year, it will be exactly as it is at the moment. I think Newcastle will have that sort of one-point advantage over Brighton. So I'm going to have Newcastle in first position, Brighton in second, and there isn't really much that can happen in terms of catching those two teams for, for me over this Christmas period. Um, they're out in front. Who's going to be in third? Well, at the moment, Reading are third in the championship table. But if you look at the fixtures over the Christmas period and you look at the top six, you've got Reading, you've got Leeds, Derby County have been going strong, Sheffield Wednesday. They've all got quite tough fixtures. And a lot of them play each other. Leeds um, certainly play a couple of the top ten teams. So the team that I'm going to actually say will go above and leapfrog Reading once more, a team that were going strong at the start of the season in Huddersfield. Because Huddersfield, for my liking, have the kindest draw in terms of fixtures over the Christmas and New Year period. They play they play on Boxing Day, Nottingham Forest, then they've got Blackburn, Wigan Athletic away, they're at home to Port Vale, and then their biggest game that comes up is on the 14th of January, Sheffield Wednesday, so that's way past the New Year period. So I think those next four games, it will be Huddersfield who will collect the most points. So I'm going first Newcastle, 
second Brighton and third above Reading, Huddersfield and Rotherham, rock bottom. I mean, they're off everybody. I can't possibly lose the point on that one. Rotherham will be bottom. Is it Huddersfield's time now, do you think? Because they are in and around it, aren't they? And they're, you know, a small club, not a huge amount of support for where they are. Well, we usually see one team, don't we, who surprises, a team that hasn't got massive budgets, a team that hasn't got huge squad depth either. A lot of these players, as well, you look through, there's a lot of loan players that are, that are trying to impress. But Huddersfield, I always think it's it's reflective of how a club's run. And I, you can just tell from Huddersfield that there's a real good vibe around the place. It's very well ran. It doesn't seem to have distractions off the pitch. There doesn't seem to be murmurs about how it's run. It's run on a shoestring budget, but often you see those teams that really play for each other, the players play for each other, and they'll get up there. I think Huddersfield, they're not going to break into Brighton and Newcastle. They're just too strong, I think, for this season. But I think they'll probably get a playoff place. Unfortunately, though, Kate, just to and all the Huddersfield fans who are listening. It's the sort of season where they will finish in third, but then probably not go up through the playoffs. Oh. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just predicting that now. I'm going to move on to a couple of European leagues, La Liga and Bundesliga. And actually, I've rather generally, although I've had a little bit more work to do when I've been assessing who comes where, because of the winter break, ladies, I hate to announce this, but there's only one fixture left to go until we meet again. You'll win then. So I may win, or if I get it wrong after just one set of fixtures, I'm obviously rubbish. So this is a real test. (laughs) So La Liga, Real Madrid are top. They didn't play at the weekend, but they are not going anywhere in terms of where their points are and where their position is. They were playing in the Club World Cup at the weekend. So really, it's looking at second and third, and that's been a little tussle backwards and forwards between Barcelona and Sevilla, and this has been really interesting. Sevilla went into second at the weekend after they beat Malaga, but then up popped Barcelona same scoreline by the way 4-1 against Espanyol their local rivals in the Catalan derby that sent Barcelona back into second and these two teams have been doing a bit of yo-yoing this season I mean I guess that we've seen with Barcelona the end to the sheer dominance of that team and it has got a bit more interesting in La Liga to some extent a bit like it has in the Premier League but what it means is that we look at what fixtures left to play now the Spanish sides will have played one fixture next year their first fixture of the year by the time that we meet again they are now officially on their winter break and for me looking at who plays who will Barcelona have Villarreal who's currently sitting fourth Sevilla have Real Sociedad who currently sit in fifth I think Sevilla are going to have the better of this so my prediction would be Real Madrid Sevilla and Barcelona for the top three in La Liga Liga. Who's at the bottom? Well, Deportiva La Coruña pulled themselves clear of the relegation zone. They'd had a bit of a worrying time recently after a victory over rock bottom Osasuna. And it's Osasuna who are going for me to stay rock bottom. It's a bit of a Rotherham situation, this one. Lynn's wretched run, just one win in their first 16 games. Looks like they're going to go immediately back to the second tier. So Osasuna to stay down. We're then going to go to Bundesliga, where it's been an interesting season. You sort of mentioned this the other week, Hayley. The new boys, Leipzig, are top, well, were top at one point over the weekend of Bundesliga. They're yo-yoing with Bayern Munich at the moment. It depends how you look at it. It's either a fairy tale story for the team who were only invented in 2009 by drinks firm Red Bull. So it's either a complete fairy tale or a complete nonsense. Because, of course, we know that the German league, the Bundesliga, is set up kind of from the public purse. The clubs are 
belong to the public. The structure of the wage limits and everything else, it's, it's pretty holistic and it's a pretty nice one. So for someone like Leipzig to come in and kind of bulldoze that lovely ethical way of setting up a league has obviously caused a few problems. But look at what Red Bull did with Red Bull Salzburg. I mean, and they produced so many great talents there. We saw Sadio Mane come from Salzburg and, and actually... They've got this franchise going on, a little bit like Manchester City when they sent Frank Lampard over to New York City. They could do that. I, I do think that the clubs with these franchises benefit from, from being able to move their players around. So I, I'm not surprised by that. It has upset people, of course, because, you know, you can go and watch a Dortmund match for about 11 euros. It's different when it becomes a commercial interest. And that's what Red Bull are being accused of, Leipzig are being accused of because of their backing. So it's sort of tough for them, really, because there's, a, there's kind of a bit of a moral dilemma, isn't there, there. But aside from that, when you park all of that, for them to be top of the Bundesliga is a great achievement. And it's in no small part to Dortmund having pretty rubbish season and Bayern Munich perhaps not being as convincing as they should be. So flipping around a bit there, but come three weeks time when we meet again and by the way Bayern Munich have got one more fixture this week so by the time you listen to this podcast you'll know if I've got it right or not I'll be able to count my winnings or not in a few days time so Bayern are going to stay top I think they only really need a draw in their next fixture Leipzig will go into second the third position is, is the most interesting factor a bit like the championship really Hoffenheim, Hertha Berlin, Dortmund, Eintracht, FC Köln all got a shout at third so Hertha, who are in fourth, play bottom side Darmstadt. Um, and for that reason, I'm going to tip them to go into third so that when we meet again, uh, that's how the placings will look. In terms of the bottom side, Darmstadt doomed at the bottom, not going to go anywhere. So we'll leave that one there. Hi, this is Kirsty Gallagher, and I love the Offside Rule podcast. Moving into our second topic, Santa's little helpers. Lindsay Hooper's got reams of information on the people <laughs> she'd like to shout out. Uh, and uh, I'm going to give a few people a shout out as well. Um, let's head over to you, Lindsay. I know you're dying to give us a few examples of some number twos, perhaps, who need a bit of recognition, uh, perhaps uh, technical staff, medical staff, who within football doesn't get the recognition and has been beavering away as Santa's little helper. Well, all I've done for this topic is just look, I've gone Premier League-centric, but I've just looked at two teams that I think are overperforming this season compared to what people thought they would be doing, okay. and I've looked at their number twos. So I'm starting with Bournemouth. Everybody heaps praise on Eddie Howe, don't they? You've got the same one, have you, Hayley? Yeah, Jason Tindall, yeah. I've gone for him as well. From being sacked at, uh, was it non-league Weymouth? Yeah. To now suddenly... What do they know? I know. Yeah. And he's popped up as well a few times to help him out when they were... I think he came out of retirement, didn't he, as a player to come and help him and has now got his UEFA Pro licence and, uh, yeah, it's an unsung hero. Yeah, and there's definitely an understanding there between Howe and Tyndall because they actually were Cherry's teammates and they played yeah. for Bournemouth together. So they've known each other for a number of years. They've got that understanding between them. He did join the first team coaching staff before Eddie Howe did. So it's not that Eddie Howe brought him in. Okay. So I think many people might have that impression, you know, it's mates like doing each other a favour. He was actually there already. It was when Jimmy Quinn was there in 2008. And Howe was actually only working the youth teams then so the way that they've come on together has been brilliant I think it's those sorts of relationships that blossom over time a little bit like ours girls with the podcast <laughs> oh, yeah. what do you mean blossoms over time we've been big <laughs> hits with each other since the day we met in that makeup chair at Sky oh, Sports yeah. News but can you imagine going from keeping Bournemouth in the football league 
in its entirety to now being in the Premier League and really impressing everybody this season. They did have a difficult spell. Um, I think, did he go over to Burnley with him? Do you know that? He did. He went to Burnley yeah. and then they came back together. And yeah. it's great to see a player reaching the heights as a manager that he never reached as a player. So the dreams that you have as a player when your career is over and you retire and you think, I haven't really won anything. I didn't play in the Premier League at the heights, you know, of the days when you get to play against players like Costa and Kante etc and that he's able to do that now and kind of relive it again through management and relive it more successfully. I think we've said all that needs to be said there so a big shout out for Christmas to Jason Tindall and my final one Kate Borsay yeah. looking in the Liverpool direction. Oh. Liverpool now I know many people would say they're a huge club they've won more European titles than any other Premier League team they should be up there they should be fighting for the title but I still think it's a surprise that Liverpool at this moment in time are second in the Premier League as yes. we record this podcast mm. and they are scoring for fun and we're all looking to Jurgen Klopp certainly the man that I think is the most entertaining manager in the Premier League and the one I like listening to the most but who's behind him who's in the shadow a man who I can hardly say his name um, Zaliko Buvak um, I'm hoping that I've got his name right. Came in with Klopp as his, as his assistant. Um, by the way, I just have this image of them both out in Liverpool, you know, at the Cavern Club, singing a bit On of Beatles. Anyway, they've known each other for a long time. They worked together before. Um, and I think since 2001, really, uh, Klopp has, has chosen um, to, to take him wherever he's gone, Bovac. He first worked with Klopp when he, they were at FSV Mans and affectionately was nicknamed the brain so obviously he's the brains behind the operation oh, clops the looks <laughs> and he's the brains <laughs> yeah yeah clops the looks he's the brains and then they were very influential together when they were at Borussia Dortmund of course we all know what happened there and they were taken to Champions League finals um it is looking like a really good partnership at Liverpool at the moment. I think he's just as important to Liverpool as Klopp is. They are a partnership. The other thing to mention is, and this hasn't been reminded, and, and Liverpool fans have sort of gone quiet on this. I'm going to remind you right now, Kate. Do you remember when Klopp joined? It was like within the four years, within the first four years, I'll bring you the title. Yes. Just remember that promise. Mm. If both of them deliver that, then they are the partnership in the making, aren't they? Yes. If they can deliver a Premier League title to Liverpool within four years of yes. being there, but the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking, or the, or the, or the clock, who knows? A um, couple of shout-outs here. You know, Lindsay, when we go and watch Chelsea Ladies, there's those two attractive members of the backroom staff. What are they called? Stuart, are they? Stuart and Rob. They could be my little helpers any day. <laughs> and on a serious note... <laughs> We've only got to look at something like BBC Sports Personality of the Year and the Unsung Heroes Award to know that there are too many to mention. So many that if I mention one, I feel like I've got to mention the others. So this Christmas time from the Offside Rule podcast, a big shout out to every single person who gets up on a cold and frosty day to get those match balls that are still half frozen and the bibs that have turned crunchy yeah. in the ice and shown up on a Saturday or a Sunday at a playing field, sports ground, local park, rec, wherever you go to contribute towards football. You mean the bibs that have turned crunchy, but not the pink ones that the FA are introducing? <laughs> Love that idea, by the way. Pink bibs and, and scented balls, was it? Oh, scented ball. Oh, let, don't get me started. But... What I did want to mention whilst we're on the topic of women's football is another another shout-out, Mark Skinner. 
who has taken over as Birmingham City ladies' yes. boss because he has done every single role at Birmingham City. He's worked in every single department, ran their youth academy, been an assistant, and now he's got the job that he wanted. So congratulations, Mark, and happy Christmas to you. I'll stick with women's football before I move on to you, Hayley. Um, Mary Harmer, now, if for those who uh, follow women in football, she was given a shout-out, and I want to recognise her as well. At the age of 22, she won the Match Official Award. First of all, it can be quite tricky for female match officials. We know that football sometimes isn't always the most generous of environments. But Mary Harmer, 22 years old, um, Suffolk FA's referee development officer, such a young age to be doing so much, really. Had a really impressive year, returned from her first international assignment last month, uh, having taken on the role as one of the assistant refs at the UEFA Women's Under-17 Championship, which was in Portugal. Uh, she'd been totally humbled, and so she was very surprised to win. And I know that there are lots of other valuable candidates out there as well. But for the age of 22, that she is doing what she's doing, big shout-out for her. And a final one, AFC Bournemouth connected. Um, Sophie Cook, the first trans person to be working in the Premier League. She's the official club photographer to break down that barrier in 2016. Um, really valuable. Hayley? Because I had Tyndall as well, um, and he was my main choice, I just wanted to be very predictable and mention someone at Middlesbrough, Steve Agnew, because when Aitor Karanka came in, you'd think that he too, foreign manager, want his own coaches to come with him. And it's good to see a club like Middlesbrough, owned by a chairman who was British, who is an actual fan of the club itself, we all love Steve Gibson, sticking with the principles that he's always gone by and making sure that he has the coaching staff that not only makes the manager happy, but makes the club happy and him happy as well. Too much upheaval, like we saw with Manchester United when Sir Alex left and everybody else left as well. Too many cooks coming in to spoil the broth, right? Too much change at a club is not a good thing. So Steve Agnew didn't really play in the Premier League, but is very respected by a lot of the teammates that he did play with. He was at Barnsley, Blackburn, Portsmouth, best known for his time at Leicester and then Sunderland. He's worked with York City and Gateshead as well. He was a player coach there, and he's actually coached at Hartlepool, a couple of other teams in the North East and worked with the Leeds Academy. So he's gone about it in a really good way. He hasn't just gone into being an assistant straight away. He's worked with all the different academies. Middlesbrough had him as their academy coach. He took a caretaker charge as well there for a little while and was the key person when Ido Karanka fell out with his players to come in and be that go-between so the players look to him as a proper English bloke he's Yorkshire as well so he's one of those and you've got your Karanka who's your your fiery Spaniard and he's very much the person that kind of is key to keeping that relationship when he can kind of flip and go a little bit crazy, which he has done, which we saw, and Agnew took charge of the Charlton game, didn't he, when uh, we all thought Karanka was just going to leave, and then actually Steve Gibson said he would have given Steve Agnew the job until the end of the season before potentially looking for another manager or even appointing him himself, so he's very well thought after, so just give a, a nod to the baldy-head Yorkshireman who's brilliant. <laughs> Worth saying before we move on to topic three as well that Mike Phelan at Hull, maybe yes. someone who should remain a number two, yes. not a number one for the moment. For the moment. And Mauricio Pochettino, an example of someone who is a number two for a long time and has flourished as a number one. Mm. Just, just the yin and yang examples. Yes. Hi, I'm Darren Goff. I'm Ricky the Hit Manhattan. I'm Ray Parler. Hi, I'm Ant. Hi, this is Dick. And we'd just like to wish everybody out there a very Merry Christmas. <laughs> Breaking news, everyone. Stand by your beds. This is Jim White. Hi, this is Kirsty Gallagher. Hi, this is Ozzy Osbourne. Season's greetings and all the best for a safe and happy holiday season. Hi, I'm Matt Letitia. Hi, I'm Jeff Stelling. I'm Gary Neville. Hello, everybody. This is Mariah Carey. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.
Merry Christmas to all our listeners. All right, girls, we'll wrap up this little festive present that we are currently recording with some New Year's resolutions. We like to do this every year. We know we know better, of course, don't we, than a lot of these football managers and players. So I'd like you to have a little think about who needs to promise what on the 31st of December. And let's throw a few into the pile and uh, I'll uh, send some emails off later and uh, put these forward. Lindsay. I have to look at Arsenal Football Club because... Oh, I've done that too. You have gone. I'm sent there pretty much every week, so I, I feel like I'm getting to know Arsenal very, very well lately. I'm usually at the press conference, Wenger's press conference. I feel like I'm following them more because I'm there all the time, interviewing the players, getting to know... And there's a thing that's coming up time and time again in different interviews, and that thing is be more clinical in front of goal. We see Arsenal, and it's, it's the same story every season, getting into great positions. But when you look at the stats for shots on target, they're never really shooting. Um, Wenger has said a few times this season he wants Meza Ozil to be a complete world-class player. He wants him to not only provide the assist, but to get the goals. He started doing so. So I want to see more from Meza Ozil. I think he's shown he's got that in his locker. He can definitely, instead of laying the ball off, he can have a crack sometimes. And... For a young player coming through, I was talking to Francis Coquelin this week just gone, and he was tipping his player to watch in 2017 at Arsenal as Alex Iwobi. And he said for his game to come full circle, he needs to get more goals. So it's about the goals. It's about just taking that chance. And I would like to see Arsenal doing that more. They're having a fantastic season. We can't criticise them too much at this point in time. But if it comes to the end of the season and they fall short by a couple of goals or goal difference. It could even come down to goal difference, couldn't it, this Premier League season? Certainly for second spot. So, Lindsay Hooper, heeding a warning there to Arsenal. I get all that. I've just simply said, stop fluffing your lines, Wenger. Same happens every year. But for me, Champions League, they might have Bayern Munich. This year, the resolution must be not to fluff your lines, for goodness sake. Just do it. We're kind of all on Arsenal's side, but then we're not surprised when it starts to go a little bit wrong, are we? Hayley? Well, one man who needs to read a few more lines out of the referee's guidebook, which is what we're going to gift him for Christmas. His New Year's resolution is to uh, do a better job. Craig Paulson, the referee, <laughs> he had a mare of a week. I do actually feel very sorry for him. Obviously, not punishing Rojo in one game and then sending Vardy off for a challenge which wasn't as bad as the Rojo one in the very next game. So potentially he had a lot of pressure on him to make sure that he made the right call the next time and unfortunately just happened to be in the next game when his head was still filled with um, a lot of negativity from midweek. But we're going to give him that little gift to help him with that rule book there. Talking of lines, mine for Slavan Bilic is I'd like him to work a film reference into every press conference he does. That was after he said that playing Andy Carroll uh, was a bit like Forrest Gump and the chocolate box scene. You never know what you're going to get until you open it. <laughs> so I'd like Slavan to, to kind of work on these film references. I like them. They're incredibly poetic. I think that they could make the difference to his uh, team's struggling form, although they, they are starting to come good now, West Ham. Um, I've, I found one for him already from the film Field of Dreams. We all know this one. Build it and they will come. Oh, that hasn't really worked with the London Stadium, has it? So perhaps not that one, Slavon. I have a New Year's resolution for every single footballer who once as a little boy dreamed of being a professional and is now lucky enough to ply their trade in the Premier League or La Liga or Serie A, one of the top leagues in Europe, top leagues in the world. A New Year's resolution for every single footballer now who's doing that as a profession and is under the age of 30 years old. Your New Year's resolution should be, I will not move to China, China. for money. 
I will not move to China for money because if you're getting, say, a ballpark figure, and we know it's much more for some players, much less for others, but say £150,000 a week, which actually it makes me grimace to say that amount of money out loud when you think of people that are struggling up and down the world. But £150,000 a week, if you're at the best, one of the best at your club, fine. To get £250,000 a week instead, what does that bring you extra when you can actually show that you can be the best and the rumors about Alexis Sanchez why on earth would Sanchez want to go to China apart from for an extra 50 yeah. 80 grand a week but when you're already getting that much money anyway what can you do with it surely you want to show how good you are and that you've got a passion for the sport and actually anyone who does it my respect factor goes down for them the only person I can sort of understand doing it is your likes of Graziano Pella because I think well he was sort of where he was going to be in the Premier League and I don't think he's an amazing, amazing player. I think he's good, but I don't think he's sensational. So why not go? If someone's going to offer you incredible amounts of money, why not? But if you're one of the top in the world, you're an Alexis Sanchez, you're a Meza Ozil, you're, you're an Oscar this week or a Kevin De Bruyne, don't do it. Blimey, she's on one today, isn't she? I think when Pella moved, by the way, made him one of the top five paid footballers in the world. That's how ridiculous it is. And even for him... For me, where's the integrity behind that move? He's still playing in the Premier League. He's still playing in one of the best leagues but in Europe. Isn't that enough? Mid-30, though. So at mid-30, you're probably thinking, I'm going to get another season or two, and that's it. I suppose so. Fair enough for anyone over 30. OK. I'm not done. I'm chipping in again, right? Because they're ruining the game. This money, it's actually ruining the game of football. The fact that, you know, £500,000 a week can be offered to some players because China just want to try and get in on football. They may well get into a load of financial strife, by the way, because I'm not sure how they can long they can maintain these wages right let's have a fun one from you please because um Lindsay's getting wound up by China yeah, okay well it's not fun but it will be fun for these two teams if they get what they want for Christmas and the New Year's resolution would be for Sisu to listen up and sell up what are they getting out of Coventry I don't understand the whole club is unhappy everyone that works there seems to be unhappy the fans protesting every week causing lots of bother getting out onto the pitch because they love their football club obviously yes Sisu I think they saved them from administration they've obviously had the move in stadium fans weren't happy about that but it is a club in financial ruin at the moment they just need to sell up get out I don't know what they're getting out of it and at Lewisham Council please don't sell off all the grounds around Millwall because you will lose Millwall's academy and their community trust as well. So stop being greedy. Millwall will just be a tiny little stadium, almost like Charlton in the valley, just surrounded by houses. They've spent a lot of time, Millwall, a club who've had a lot of stick over the years for their fans and their behaviour, and they've tried to make it a better club. They've got great community projects going on there. They have a great academy. And if Lewisham Council sell all the ground around it, what for the future of the football club? It's a real shame. Quick one from me. Jurgen Klopp's New Year's resolution. He must get one of those little elastic things for the back of his glasses. They just fall off too much, don't they, those glasses? Just, I think I'll send one, a nice kind of light, sporty strap, elastic strap for the glasses. Maybe we can put the Offside Rule podcast sponsorship on the back. So, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. What about a New Year's resolution for Jose Mourinho to start being happy and to actually, for Christmas, buy himself a house in Manchester. Come on, you can afford it. Set up home, make yourself feel at home, put a smile on your face and it'll put a smile on everyone else's faces too.
here's a nice fun one to finish with. Don't make promises you can't keep. This is a universal one, right? But when you're in the Club World Cup final and you're playing Real Madrid, as Kashima, the uh, fairly unknown Japanese side, were at the weekend, uh, their defender, Naomichi Udea, fired a warning to Cristiano wow. Ronaldo ahead of the clash in Yokohama. I'm a crocodile, he said. Just as a crocodile will complete its conquest by dragging its prey into the water, I just want to bring them down, whether it's in the air or on the ground, one-on-one. -on -one. They lost the game 4-2, you know, so um, sorry about that. But, yeah, don't make promises you can't keep. Don't pretend that you're a crocodile when you're not. And a little warning to Hollywood producers who decide, you know what, I'm going to make a Hollywood blockbuster and I'm going to use the, the world of sport to do so. I'm going to make a film about Leicester City and Jamie Vardy. Oh. Just a little warning to you then when you've got a project that takes sometimes three years to make. A lot can happen in football <laughs> in that time. And just sending a little warning out before the big hit because they want to try and get it out quick in, in my mind to really capitalise on the Leicester City and Jamie Vardy story. All right, we're going to wrap things up there, just like a good Christmas Aww. present. Um, Favourite Christmas carol or song, ladies? Let's leave this little parting thought with our listeners. If you're going to put on a Christmas CD, what will you be playing? Lindsay. All I want for Christmas. I'm not going to try and hit... <laughs> you don't have to adjust the tuning on your uh, device, folks. That was meant to be in tune. That was All I Want for Christmas. Thank Lindsay you. Hoop is... It's you, listeners. <laughs> Hayley McQueen? Well, because I do drive home up to the northeast for Christmas mm. every year, and Chris oh. Rea, driving oh. home for Christmas, is from Middlesbrough, yes. so it seems fitting. So when I picked up Kay Murray from Teesside, she's from Teesside, I didn't pick her up from Teesside and come down to London and back again. Picked her up from the airport. First thing we did was put that on. Very annoying. <laughs> I bought or downloaded for quite a lot of money a whole bumper, like it was like oh. now Christmas. The only song that wasn't on there... Mariah Carey's All I Want for oh, Christmas. No, we all like that one. Oh, God. My favourite one, it's currently uh, emitting from a stuffed penguin in our house. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light from now on. You gave a warning about mine. All right, sorry. And one other thing. You have to get out there. I can't wait for this. On Friday, there's a new game out this Christmas. Apparently, it's so difficult to get now because everybody wants it. The plastic mouth game, have you seen it? Oh, no. <laughs> oh my goodness, what? <laughs> there's a little plastic insert you put in your mouth and you try and do charades and different things and talk. It's, it's going to be fun. Oh. All I can say is get yourselves one of those. That's a little Christmas idea. And if they sell out, you could try a little bit of tangerine peel instead, <laughs> couldn't you? That's a nice thought to end on, isn't it? A very Merry Christmas to all of our loyal listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in and downloading over the past year. Um, we'll be back in the new year, second week of January, with podcast number 11. I hope you get everything you want for Christmas. And if you don't, don't worry. There's always next year. I uh, hope the New Year's resolutions go OK and we'll be maybe making a few of our own for the next time that we meet. By the time we meet, we'll see if we've kept them or broken them. Yes, okay. and we'll also be totting up the, the points from our New Year's predictions as well. Um, at Offside Rule Pod is the Twitter if you want to keep across us during the Christmas break. And our website, of course. Don't forget the Offside Rule Podcast 100, counting down to the best women's footballer in the world. That's happening in the lead-up to Christmas. OffsideRulePodcast.com. So, from us, a very Merry Christmas! The female take on football. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.